Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy New Year. We hope. In case you had forgotten, this is the Steve Day Show. I am him. I am Steve Dace. I'm not trying to. I'm just Steve. Uh, this is Todd Erzin. He's he. And over there, over there, they are Aaron McIntyre. How are you, brother? Doing well. How about yourself? Good. Todd, you? I'm good. You said over there. I was. Are we having a pronoun episode right out of the gate? Yeah. Here? Gonna be a little rusty, you know. Um, trying to get the bearing straight. It's been a while. We have not seen each other for a while. We've not been in here for a while. We've not been on the air for a while. Um, and so um, it, it'll take a little bit of time uh, to get used to uh, doing this again. But, uh, you know, we'll, I would say by about June, we should be good. What do you think? <laughs> Look at the polls, Steve. Look at the polls. Yes, we'll have something to say on that here in a moment, in fact. Um, coming up uh, on today's show, uh, Brian Griffin uh, will be joining us. He is with the DeSantis campaign. He'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour as we are now down to, what is it, uh, 12 days until the Iowa caucuses, mercilessly. Uh, and then uh, also next hour, uh, we will, uh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Uh, next hour, we will unveil my top 10 predictions for 2024. Aaron, you have seen these because you had to load them up uh, for uh, graphic purposes. Todd, I'll just say that there's a much better chance you're going to do better this year than you did last year. Todd, you've not. Thank you. Todd, you've not seen these at all. You told me not to. So no, I, I, didn't. I wanted yeah. you to react in real time with the audience. I, I, Aaron, I really went for gird your loins. Did I land that? Did I get there? Do you think? Not really. I don't think. Really? Yeah. No, I think these are pretty solid predictions. Oh, last I, year I thought was pretty zany. Okay. I wasn't going for zany. I was going for bleak because that's that's kind of the, you know, I'm in a, a good place to start. It's a good baseline. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some black hole sun for 2024. I mean, there, there are predictions in there. It's just, I don't know, against the backdrop of last year. That's kind of where I'm at. All right. So we'll get to those next hour. But we've got some family business that we have to settle here at the top of the show. There's a few things we've got to do because it's been so long since we have done this and been together. Let's just start with how was everybody's Christmas, Todd? How, how, how was it for the Erzin family? Hey, my girls came home. That's it. We were all together. Had a fantastic time. Did a little, uh, because uh, Ainsley, the oldest, only gets to come home for about a week because she's got uh, training on both sides that mm-hmm. have to keep her there longer and ever go back sooner. So we did some, I took her back to Arkansas with the, my two younger daughters and we stayed for a couple of days there. And then we, uh, my wife and I got in our cars and passed in Kansas city and met for lunch. <laughs> and now my wife is still down there with Ainsley. She'll come to, she stayed there for like, um, seven days and we'll be uh, coming back here tomorrow and then we'll just be back to usual. Very cool. Very cool. What about the McIntyre family? Pretty busy. Pretty busy. <clears throat> we, uh, this is just a microcosm. I, I'm sure both of you have experience with this, a microcosm of, of uh, house projects. We had several that we needed to do, one of which we needed to get the new baby's uh, nursery ready, which had been our dumping ground, and the closet in there had been our coat closet. So naturally, we had to reorganize like two or three other rooms in our house, and it took uh, a couple of days to do that project. It's just the butterfly effect of uh, of house projects. Now, but how did the McIntyre how's the McIntyre couple do projects like that together? 
Uh, I do the heavy lifting and putting together stuff. She organizes. You guys get along? You do it okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're 27 years, going on 27 years into this on the day side, and we're still trying to figure that part of it out. <laughs> anyway, continue. Go ahead. So I'm sorry. that was good. Um, <laughs> met with uh, all the families, uh, both sides of the family, uh, at various points over the break, and so it was pretty good. Busy break, but it was good. I, you know, I, I told you guys, man, I was really looking forward to the time off before we broke. And, um, it was almost like the Lord said, I'm going to pay this for you forward because your instincts about what's coming around the bend are right on the money. So, I mean, I, I, we had a Christmas man out of the Hallmark channel, except no one was gay. So, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't important caveat. Yeah, it is nowadays. Uh, I, I, I have no idea how it could have gone, couldn't have gone better. I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, we were able to take in, uh, one of Zoe's best friends who had nowhere else to go for Christmas and we had her come with us and, uh, it was cool kind of getting just to treat her. That was a ton of fun. Um, Amy and I always take a couple of days away after Christmas. We do our, we've done this for years. It's kind of a powwow planning out the schedule and stuff for the year, the budget and stuff for the year. And I got to tell you, uh, this is the best budget meeting as a family we've ever had for the year. And y'all that are watching and listening to this are the reason why. So thank you for that. Um, it's a lot different than when we had to live paycheck to paycheck for about a decade as we were building this show. So thank you to you guys uh, that are watching and listening to our outstanding sales team here at the blaze. Um, that was the least stressful uh, annual powwow year in advance uh, budget outlook meeting. The, uh, the day, this version of today's family has ever had. So that was fun and relaxing. Um, saw some, a couple good movies and, uh, and then the trip we took to the Rose Bowl was really once in a lifetime. I, I mean, frankly, live sporting events for me might be forever spoiled. I, I don't know what could top that. And uh, I don't want to fully call him out because you never know what could happen. He, I don't want him to face any backlash. So, Paul, you know, you're, I know you're listening. Dude, I, I owe you like a, a Wookiee life debt for that experience. It was incredible. And he wanted me to reiterate to each of you, whenever the time comes that your teams can make it out there and you want to take advantage of it, man, that, that exact same VIP treatment is awaiting both of you. I got to send, see you guys as bricks. We sent you guys the photos of, yeah. of yeah. your bricks there at the Rose Bowl right there. How do you find them? He knew right where they were. I okay, don't know. Otherwise we, you he don't. Just, you, he just took us yeah. where they were, you know? So there's probably all these like, like famous and very wealthy people that did a lot of important things or donated money to get there. And then there's these three schmucks, you know, our families are sitting in there. Um, it's a majestic place. Those uniforms, that setting, I mean, it's just... I can't remember. You've never been to a game there. Never before? been to a game there. Been to the stadium a few times, but never been to a game there. You know, and from a cultural standpoint, this is how I described it to on the flight home yesterday when uh, Amy Noah and I were talking about it. It's this is kind of the last gasp of old California, and what do I mean by that? The the California that looked to take Americana. And, and our cultural traditions and inflection points and blow them up with even more glitz and glamour, you know? And so the fundamentals and foundations of Americana were still there. It was just embellished with glitz and glamour to make it even more of a spectacle, if you know what I'm trying to say. 
Nowadays, what California seeks to do is destroy Americana and our traditions. That's new California. But, but this, the Rose Bowl, it's dated and updated in all the right places. The, the exact same scoreboard that's been up there for decades upon decades with no video and, and the winding clock is still there. there. But yet there's the HD video boards. I mean, it's, it's, it's iconic. I, I can't say anything uh, more about it. And it, this is the California that when we were the kids sitting around with a foot of snow, watching the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, we're like, man, I wish we lived there, right? The Rose Bowl is one of the last gasps, vestiges of, of that California. And now you see most of the time you tune in to see what's on Cal- going on in California. Like, I'm glad we're not living there, even if there's seven feet of snow on the ground, you know? So uh, it was just incredible. Uh, I got a chance to go visit uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs Church again to worship on Sunday. And man, it was like the message was just for me. It was exactly what I needed to hear to get ready for this year. So shout out to Jack for that. Appreciated uh, uh, them uh, uh, letting us come because that's, I don't know if you guys realize it ain't easy to get a seat at Jack Hibbs Church, by the way. There's, however, during his sermon, Jack had to contain himself because people came up to him between first and we were there for second service. There's three people came up to him between first and second service there at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. That's Jack's ministry and said, hey, we're visiting your church for the first time because our church is closed. They decided the staff needed a day off. And Jack didn't say what the church was, um, but he was and I could tell he wanted to. He was kind of holding himself back like, you don't close a church, man, period. Remember, Jack was one of the churches that defied Newsom and the uh, Trump administration during lockdowns. And uh, I looked at Amy when he mentioned this, and I said, I, I whispered to her, I said, I guarantee you it's Saddleback Church. Guarantee it. It's the next, it's the most logical next step in that ministry's devolution. Sure enough, Guess what church it was? Saddleback Church on brand. Just staff needed a day off, so we're closed this Sunday. So there, that, that might have been one of the most honest messages ever that Saddleback Church has conveyed in many a year, in fact, albeit unintentionally. One moment, though, and I'll, I'm going to be telling this story, and I posted a bunch of videos and pictures. You, you can see it all in my Twitter feed at Steve Day Show. Um, I mean, it, we don't need to rehash all that. But one thing that I didn't post, and I got to tell this story, man, I'm going to be telling this like the rest of my life. All right. So you met that right where the Michigan player decided to try to catch a punt inside the five coming off the bench and having not played all game long for reasons only a knows and fumbled it. Okay. Nearly lost us the championship right there. We were sitting right there. That's right where we're sitting. So the stadium is about 60, 40 Michigan fans. And so right where it begins to curve into where it's 50, 50, that's right where we're sitting down there and right, you know, on the lower level right there. And so behind us came to sit just One of them was an absolutely obnoxious, belligerent Alabama fan. From the moment the game kicked off, he started in, roll tide, roll damn tide, roll effing tide. I mean, just over and over and over and over again. That's, and I'm, I love that. I'm looking over at Noah, man. Okay. And this kid has jacked himself up. He's lifted a lot of weights the last year or so. Okay. And there's a lot of testosterone in there that, He's still just a 16-year-old kid. And he's, that he's, that's, it, he's having a hard time. <laughs> he's got this. He's got this look on his face like, 
someone has to die here for this. All right. There must, a sacrifice has to be made. But I mean, I can't tell who, I've not turned around to look who sees who's behind us. So I don't know. I'm thinking with this big bellowing voice, this is probably some, you know, Alabama fraternity kid who's probably like 6'2 and 250. And I'm worried about Noah turning around and getting stomped, you know, and I've got to pee really bad. So I'm like holding it the whole time. All right. Cause I don't want to leave Noah with this guy going off, you know? And, uh, when, uh, we get into when Michigan had that to drive where they threw that touchdown where our number seven receiver outran the entire, uh, Alabama defense. Cause you know, sec speed, uh, when, and, and we went up by a touchdown, Noah turns around. Oh, I forget this part. So whenever Michigan would run the ball, the guy in the back again would go, just run the ball, big 10 football, just run the ball, big 10 football, just run it just for reasons. All right. When we scored on that play, Noah turns around. All right. And the crowd's going nuts and Noah turns around and he flexes on this dude. and He goes, that's big 10 football roll tide. How you like them apples? <laughs> and, and I'm like, all right, dad's got to jump in here. Okay. And I jumped in, put my armor, my, my, my arm around and say, Hey dude, bud. Okay. It's just a game, man. I know it's annoying. It's grating, but it's just a game. We don't have to get in a fight, get kicked out of here over a football game. You know, I had to get him calmed down. Okay. And, uh, and finally, after I got him calm, I looked at him, I need to pee. Can I go? Or am I going to come back and like the police are going to be here? He goes, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm good. All right. So, okay, fine. So I go to pee, get back. All right. So I finally now get to see who's been sitting behind us. And it's an, it is an, it's a couple of Alabama students, but the guy that's doing all the bellowing is maybe five, four, 140 pounds, you know, with bright red hair. It's like, no, alert. Okay. And, um, it was just, he, here's, what's funny though, that after, after Noah did that, he was much more polite and talked to us the rest of the time. I think he kind of got a little intimidated, but it was weird because his dad was with him. It turned out. And so like, he would like roll time, roll effing time. And then try, yes, father, what can I do for you? It was, it was. It was like when, when the conversation turned to the game, he became another human. And then after that, he became this very proper, respectful son. It was just, it was, but I mean, <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, if you could have seen that, he turns, yeah, that's Big Ten football. Oh boy. Anyway. My favorite part about that whole story is the implication that the only insane fans are on the Alabama side. Yes, yes. Everybody on the Michigan side is just very couth. And we, I did we not. Our, I did not mean to imply that. We do. That our, is not true. No, that is not true. All right. Um, all right. So with everybody updated on how our Christmas vacations well, went, I get Noah gets a helmet sticker though. For nearly getting his thorn. Admit, oh, no, you oh. admit it. He kept you in your right yeah, mind. I, I was. I mean, we're out there making every mistake. I've watched Michigan make in Rose Bowls my entire life. And Amy and I look at each other and we're like, we got to be traffic. Let's, let's just, just bust I, out of here. I couldn't believe you. And, and Noah puts his foot. He's more of a man than me. I mean, he put his foot down and said, no, man, we're staying to the end. Can't wait to. I'll see Noah at school at some point. Can't wait to shake his hand. He saved you, man. He, he did. saved you. He did. He did. No doubt about it. And, um, you know, we always want our kids to be better than us. Right. So he's, he's clearly on the path, uh, on the way of, of, uh, of, of accomplishing that feat. So thank you to Noah for that. All right, let's talk about um, what's coming up uh, on the show this year. And there's three things that I want to mention. We have already spent the least amount of time talking about polls and analyzing them than I ever have in my entire career. 
In fact, that's that's kind of been one of my calling cards as someone with a lot of campaign experience, which is rare in this business, having done the the you know the nuts and bolts of of politics, understanding how these things are done and constructed, and being able to deconstruct and analyze them rather than just repeating to you what the results say. Um, we're th- two weeks before we we left the show for Christmas. I did something I've not announced yet. I'm going to tell you now. I went on Twitter, and or one week before we left the show, I went on Twitter and I muted every word I could think of that related to polling. Just to see how much different my media experience would be on Twitter without references to story uh, polls and stories about them. And I have to tell you, it's an entirely different universe. Entirely different. Sometimes some polling still seeps through if people don't use any of those words. But I mean, I'm going to tell you over. I, I mean, I'm I'm seeing maybe once every three days something about a poll, and it's incredible how much we rely on creating. And I'm just talking about writing media now. How much our own industry relies on creating content that is derived from people who hate us. And we have no means of independently checking ourselves and we just react to it constantly. I mean, I'm seeing like in-depth stories that are worthy of reading and in-depth analysis that I never saw before because it just got, uh, you know, a bunch of low-hanging fruit, engagement clickbait articles reacting to polling. And most of it to convince ourselves that we're winning everything we could possibly win, even though we rarely win anything. Okay. So... After that, I contacted you guys during Christmas and I said, We're, I'm going to extend this even further. All right. So. I brought, I brought something with me here today. This is the polling jar. You've heard of swear jars? Yes. Right. Okay. I believe our colleague Sarah Gonzalez has one of those. All right. This is the polling jar. That's going to sit there all year long. And every time someone mentions a poll on this show, and sometimes you're going to have to, we can't get around it completely. You owe $5 and you might have to put an IOU in there because we're not always carrying cash around. Is $5 and okay? You should go with the 10. You okay with five or should we make it 10? What do you guys think? Who gets the money? At the end of the year. Is it a bonus for Todd and Aaron? No. <laughs> then, <laughs> no, and it's not for our, our, it's yeah. not for the pumpkin spice fund. Okay. At the end of the year, we just write a check out to preborn and give it to them. Okay. Then $10. $10. All right. Okay. Anytime, anything in the year 2024 in this show, any one of the three of us, if a guest does it, anybody else that's not a permanent part of the show does it, not our fault. But any of the three of us that says anything about a poll or references a poll, we owe $10 to that jar. And at the end of the year, and sometimes you may just decide, hey, I've got to talk about it, so I'll take the hit right now, okay? Any polling of any kind, any kind. Now, my favorite part about this story is that this is actually upping the ante of having a loaded weapon on the desk. (laughs) Not good enough. We're going to the money jar. two minutes ago, Gaston texted me. He's like, what's up with that gun on the side? (laughs) (laughs) He's just figuring this out? (laughs) So there's a polling. We're we're just. I'm not doing it. I I don't. I've, I've I don't trust them. I don't. I just. I don't trust the entities doing them. The methodologies doing them. I mean, at this point, polling is no different to me than masks work to stop airborne contagions, and the virus is safe and effective, and is 99 percent. Or I'm sorry, Freudian slip. The jab is safe and effective, and 99 percent works 99 percent of the time. I I just don't know. 
you know? And here's the cool thing, because guess what we don't have to talk about this year? Anyway, polls. Because guess what we're going to actually do? Games. We're going to have games. We're going to vote. And we're just, so we're going to do this crazy thing, okay? We're going to react to the games. Thoughts? That probably will suck in its own way too, but hey. Yes, yes. But it'll be an authentic <laughs> sucking, damn it. All right? It'll be a real sucking, not a fabricated one. All right. So, poll jar. This is day one. 239 shows to go. All right. Let's see how many, how much money Preborn makes when we get down to the uh, to Christmas so of next year. The, now, on this show. Starting here. now. Right now. Okay. All right. Number three. Um, we are going to... Look at the... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> $10. <laughs> I know there are there's a lot of people that liked that I was doing it that in the year are actually disappointed that they may not hear that as much now. That had kind of become okay. my new bing. So Just now I've got to... that out loud. Yes. I've got to do a reset again. Um, also this year, I want us to dive deeper into theology and worldview this year. We're going to be doing that more purposefully. Um, get ready now. If you have not done it yet or you want to do it with us, we are going to, beginning on January the 18th, we're going to go through the Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study. We're going to go through that here on Theology Thursday starting on January the 18th. If you want to get your copy of that Bible study, Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study, they're available at Amazon right now. You can go through that Bible study with us. That begins on January the 18th. We're going to go through that, talking about spiritual warfare. We're going to go through that right here on the show beginning on Thursday, January the 18th. So if you don't have a copy of that yet, get a copy now. Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study available at Amazon as we speak. Uh, also, Evergreens this year. These are the shows that we pre-record for uh, in the future when, you know, I get a, a death-defying disease uh, or Aaron has to take paternity leave. And so we need uh, days off that we couldn't schedule in advance. Um, we're going to have a huge emphasis on theology on these this year. Uh, in fact, the, the, we're the, four, of the, of the five, four of the five for sure that you will see this year will be long-form theological discussions, including long-form Joe Rogan-like interviews with people of various theological perspectives where we're really going to try to get down and dirty and educate people on details rather than, you know, um, keeping it to shallow. We're no longer going to say people can't handle it. We're, we're going to have to handle it. All right. The era we're in, when I was a child, I thought spoken reason as a child. And when I became a man, it, I, I set aside childish things. It is, it's time to just, even though I got to tell you, when I quoted from It's a Wonderful Life, my annual It's a Wonderful Life live tweet that yeah, I that do went, on Christmas Eve. That went well. And I quote George Bailey being told by his mama, what good reason would you not call on Mary? And oh. I quoted that and I, and I woke up the next morning on Christmas Day morning to see people thought to turn this in to an argument over the mother of Jesus. I nearly yanked everything I was about to announce. I said, we can't handle it. We can't do it. You know what? Nope. That made me more convinced we have to do it. So we will. Finally, in the history of this show, we have done one ever Bible study. And we did it, what was it, about three, four years ago on Colossians, I believe, where we went through a book of the Bible verse by verse on the show for Theology Thursday. Did we do that before COVID? It was before COVID My we did that. My goodness. Yep. We're going to do it again this year. I will, we know, all, we've already determined the, the book of the Bible we will do. We will tell you guys this spring, because it's not going to start till March 29th. 
March 29th is when we will begin, and we're going to, it may take the rest of the year, given the book we're going to do. We'll see. We have nothing else on Theology Thursday planned, depending on how long it takes to do this book. Revelations! No, sorry. No. <laughs> um, we, we, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this also from the perspective of, I'm going to go get Charles Spurgeon's commentary on this book of the Bible, maybe the greatest English-speaking Protestant minister in the history of the church. Todd has been invited to go, go get um, a, a commentary on this book of someone of Catholic renown, like Augustine and Aquinas, whoever you want to, a current priest that Todd admires, because that'll be a part of the conversation as well as we discuss this going through it verse by verse. That will begin on March 29th of this year after we come back from spring break, and it may end up taking the rest of the year given the book we're going to do and how dense the material is. Uh, and we'll tell you what that book of the Bible is coming up here uh, later in the spring. Thoughts on that so far? Well, I like how you set that up with the Mary conversation. If we can have more followers of this show rather than less after what we're about to try, um, that's a miracle. But isn't that the case on this show every single yes. year? Yeah. Every single time this mic goes on. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, I think Theology Thursday is probably what I'm looking forward to the most this year. And it's one of the things we get a lot of feedback on anyway. And so, I, I mean, who knows from week to week, just receiving feedback from the previous week's Theology Thursday, that might take up uh, a lot of time as well. So delving more into worldview and theology, which has been the show's prime directive ever since I was listening to it back in 08, 09 on WHO when you were still on uh, WHO. That's always been the prime directive and just doubling and tripling down on that. Looking forward to it. And that brings me to what the show theme is for this year. The theme of the show for this year is dominion, as in control what you can control. Many of the things that we're going to be asked to focus on this year, we have no control over. I, I have no control over whether the potential Republican presidential nominee can evade 91 felony indictments. Todd, do you have any control over that? I do not. Aaron, what about you? No. I have, I have no control over what Democrat secretaries of state are going to do about ballot access or um, who they're going to allow to get access to. I have no control over, uh, you know, Fox News acting and behaving as if it's a super PAC. I, 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 just, I don't have any control over that, and neither do any of you. And we spend way too much time in this industry and as a movement focusing on the things that we cannot control. So this year, we're going to be more practical than we've ever been. We're going to focus more on the things we can control. You have, we all have spheres of, spheres of authority, our families, our communities, our work, our giftedness. We're going to focus much more of our time on focusing on the things that we can control. Where is it? What's the first commandment that God gives to humanity? I've given you dominion over this earth. Go, subdue it, multiply. After the flood, by the way, God repeats this in a way to Noah and his family. Go, subdue the earth. In other words, subdue is another term for dominion. Go fruitful, be fruitful, multiply. We are going to focus this year on controlling what we can control. And that means we're probably going to do a lot of content and topics, not a lot of the other people you're following or doing. But in the end, I don't want to waste my time. I'm in my 50s now. Time to redeem the time for the days are evil. And last year I had two near-death experiences. And one lesson that that teaches you is no, nothing's guaranteed. Nothing. One of them, I came back from an all-time career highlight. 
red carpet premiere of a movie I executive produced. And the next thing I know, I'm in a hospital and I may never get out. That'll remind you. Don't take any of this for granted. So I'm going to do and we're going to do as a team as much as we can possibly do to encourage and equip every one of you tuned in right now to try and take control of what you can control. No more waiting for Abba Father to do something spectacular to save us out of this mess. He did something spectacular. He sent his son and then he placed his spirit inside of us. We are now to take the temple that contains that spirit and go into the battle and run our race. And we're going to encourage that mightily. That's our hope this year. Thoughts? I'm really excited about this. And if we do it right, uh, it'll feed into what I talk about uh, getting uncomfortable all the time. If we do it right, this will be uncomfortable because it begs some psychological and emotional questions about who we are. Do we focus so much on the national and the example Steve talked about that we can't control, that we've kind of been subtly conditioned, that we just believe we really don't have control at any level? Or even worse, do we pick on purpose our obsessions just so we really don't have to have any control and put our responsibilities off on somebody else. I fear it's often the latter. Yeah, it's been underscored. I was thinking about this over the weekend, and it was really reinforced with the message in church on Sunday. It, we're playing for eternal soul stakes. We have to remember that. And yes, this year might suck. It might not. But we always have to be remembering what's truly at stake here. Because these times are dark. People's souls are at, at stake. That has to be our motivation. I hope, it's, I hope it's carried out on the show this year. Amen. And pray for us that we are able to, to continue that. That we're able to run that race and finish it this year. More in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, alongside Totters and Aaron, Aaron McIntyre. Happy New Year. It's our first show of the year we have with us today because we have this little event coming up 12 days from today. The very first votes in the 2024 presidential election will be cast right here in our home state of Iowa. And the first in the nation caucus is Brian Griffin is here with us from the DeSantis presidential campaign. Brian, Happy New Year, man. How are you? Thank you. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. We're, we're doing good. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you and why you ended up uh, getting hooked up with the governor and his campaign. Interesting question. Um, I went to law school, decided not to practice law, which I think was one of the best right, decisions so you of made my up, life. So you made up for it. <laughs> That's okay. right. Good, yeah. Um, ended up um, actually doing some pro-Israel advocacy. I was the national field director for the Maccabee Task Force, which was a group that was uh, designed to go to college campuses and speak about Israel and try to fight back in some of these narratives. And in doing that, I moved back to Florida and started to pay attention to what Ron DeSantis was doing in Florida. I'm a lifelong Floridian. I was born and raised in Florida. And I just absolutely loved seeing this kind of refreshing take on what it could mean to be a leader. Mm -hmm. um, he said things that he was going to do, and then he did them. And he made Florida a better place for generations. I was thinking, gosh, my kids are now set up. My grandkids are set up. I got to get behind this guy. 
So I asked to interview with him and uh, got the job. Glad I see you've got, to, you've got lifelong New Yorker Sean Hannity moving to Florida now. I say. Everybody is moving to Florida. I mean, if that is not the number one scoreboard right there, even the, even our greatest critics are moving to Florida or right. vacationing in Florida while they've got their Your states locked opponent, down. Your primary opponent, he moved, lifelong New Yorker. <laughs> Donald Trump, he moved to Florida, if I recall. Correct. Everybody. And so that's, it must be doing something right there if that's where uh, Mr. Trump decided to move his base of operations. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and he is doing something right. So what is Ron DeSantis doing? He is... Uh, uh, fighting back on the issues that have plagued people for so long. You know, he's insisting that we have law and order. He's paying down our debt. He's keeping freedoms uh, protected. And he navigated COVID so well and beat Fauci that people took notice of it. People want to live in a free and fair society. That's what he brought to the table in Florida. That's what he's going to do as president. Let's talk about let's talk about that governance then, because I, I, I do think and I'm one thing I've pointed out on this show for a long time is that I, I just don't think our side has either been able and or serious about actually governing. Um, I mean, it's, it's live or die every election on the right, okay? But, but then if we win, what happens? Yeah. And, and one of the reasons we've had difficulty governing, and you see this in the Congress, for example, it's not their slim majorities. Democrats had the exact same slim majority and impeached Donald Trump over something that turned out to be true anyway. They don't care. All right. But what, so how are they able to do that? It's that they actually have an ideologically aligned political party. The, the right does not. The right is an amalgamation of different viewpoints that are just essentially anti what the Democrats stand for, but counterculture. When, count, yep. But when they try to come together to govern people who think corporations rule the world, like Nikki Haley, okay, uh, and uh, people who believe in the Constitution, like Ron DeSantis, they have a hard time coming up with the alternative plan then. And you saw this in Trump's administration. He kind of put all these people, kind of people together. And so when the people who believe in the Constitution were empowered, good things happened. And when the people who believe that corporations are God were empowered, bad things happened right uh or people who believe the bureaucracy is uh, inevitable bad things happened uh and so what we saw in florida is your guy was able to govern just basically off of nothing else other than a, 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 a courage of conviction but then when the results showed to be positive then a lot of other people may have been like oh, i don't buy it that's not who i am i'm kind of you know this is too harsh or this won't this is going too far suddenly you know victory has a thousand fathers and defeat as an orphan right and now and now you've seen the entire republican party grow to historic links uh in the state of florida without actually compromising or moderating on any meaningful or significant we, we, issue whatsoever. We start. I think for understanders had about a three hundred thousand Republican deficit in Florida when he became governor. There's now a five hundred thousand uh, benefit. There are five hundred thousand more Republicans than Democrats. That's in incredible Florida because of what he was able to say, do. Say, say that again. That's five hundred thousand more Republicans than Democrats in Florida. Uh, net, you know, eight hundred thousand change. I think I've got these numbers right. Um, but it's that is that is that large? And he's he was able to do that because we don't he even didn't, have a city in Iowa that has eight hundred thousand. Well, people. he didn't stop and put his finger to the wind and he didn't you know take notes from you know donors or people who were in the political class he just said what what can i do for people how do i deliver on promises that people care about and the issues that people care about and he systematically set out to do it and did it you know you said you got to have leaders who are both uh, able and serious about accomplishing these things so one ron DeSantis is able to do this because he knows how to plan 
Um, he's extremely mission focused. He said before that he's going to ensure when he's elected president that he's going to have his policy, his personnel, everything lined up and ready to go day one when he gets in the White House. Why? Because we only have a brief period of time uh, when you become president to mm -hmm. actually get stuff done. So he's going to be he's not going to let anything else uh, distract him. Um, and then serious about it. You know, this is what's missing in, in modern American politics. People in uh, people don't believe what they say. So many people running for office I don't believe this. what they say. <laughs> Ron DeSantis believes what he says. Look, I'm his press secretary, okay? My job is so easy. I don't have to do any, I don't have to do cleanup or anything like that. I don't have to worry about that because he believes what he says. He doesn't get himself into these situations. You're not, you're not getting up every morning do. and saying, thank the maker that was said on Truth Social so only five people saw it? I certainly am not. not doing and any of that? And yeah. we're following his lead. Which you're not just compiling a, the Democrats' uh, oppo <laughs> research for them next fall? You're not doing that? No, no, no certainly yeah. not. And it's refreshing. And look, again, it's because he, he, he believes what he says. And I, I've been able to kind of work with him and be close to him now for two and a half years and see that he's a man of his word. He's going to get it done. There's a lot of talk right now about limited government on the right, weaponizing government the other way. And, and I think maybe a lot of these terms are, are, getting, are, are getting forsaken uh, or it's kind of get becoming confusing. It's really about um, righteous government uh, doing the right thing. And if the right thing means that is something that government should not have a role in, then that's the right thing. If the right thing means that government's role is to punish people who do things like this, like we're going to execute uh, child rapists, for example, okay, or child murderers, then that's government's role. And I and and that's that's a clarity that he's demonstrated in Florida when it has been about not using power because it wasn't the right thing to do right. or using power because it was the right thing to do. Go further. Tell us more about that. Well, 100%. Our leaders have to have a sense of right and wrong. You know, they can't be beholden to any other thing I mean, besides that, right? So like when he takes a, an issue, for example, like Disney, okay? Well, there was a hundred different people in Florida screaming, you cannot stand up to Disney. They're the biggest power in Florida. You know, they own politics here, yada, 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 donors, et cetera. None of that mattered. What mattered to him was what was right about this? They're fighting against a legislatively enacted law of the state and they're fighting to indoctrinate children. I mean, there's nothing right about that. That's wrong. So he did what he knew was right. He stood up against them. He he got the parental rights and education bill across the finish line. And time and time again, he's got a record of doing that. Same thing with COVID. You know, what's right and what is wrong? I know what the entire establishment narrative, you know, media wants me to believe. I know how hard the pressure is. I know where the political winds lie. But I've got to put that aside because I've got to do what's right for people. It's not right to be locking people in their homes. It's not right to be forcing people to wear masks. It's not right to force uh, medical procedures on people against their will and when we don't have, um, you know, proof that these things actually work. So he took those those kind of just righteous positions time and time again and stood on those uh, no matter what come hell or high water. That's what makes the difference in a leader and that's what makes Ron DeSantis the best choice for our next president. And your two primary rivals in this race actually opposed this. Uh, Trump actually took Disney's side, but again, this was on Truth Social, so probably 10 people saw it. Uh, Nikki Haley went so far as to go on national TV and invite Disney, hey, come to my home state of South Carolina and indoctrinate and uh, help uh, mutilate our kids. You know, we, we, we'll, we'll take your money. 
again, I think all of these things are based on, okay, well, you know, what's the right political thing for me to do? I mean, Nikki Haley will take, you know, three positions on a two-sided issue. And Donald Trump doesn't have the kind of core of convictions. I don't think he's been a conservative his entire life. And I don't think that he lets that guide him in his decision making. He also gets very distracted with things that matter to him and about him. That's why he put so many bad people around him. That's why he let the media, you know, ring his cell phone and make so many kind of um, decisions for him because he cared about what people thought Mike about Keegan him. Mike Egan admitted I couldn't fire Fauci because I, I couldn't have tolerated the media firestorm. The media would have killed me for it. That, that doesn't make any sense. Ron DeSantis would have fired Fauci and then, you know, would have got, been gone on to the next Not thing, giving so. him an award for a poisonous jab on his last day in office? That's Not right. done that? That's right. Okay. But Ron DeSantis that, doesn't. That's what Trump did. He gave him an award, if he, I remember. He doesn't care what people, you know, what, what the media and the, and the kind of cocktail uh, class think about him, which is great. So many people get to Washington and they think, well, how am I being written about in articles or am I going to be invited to the right party or whatnot? And that's why we have these people that we have so much kind of hope in that get to Washington and become these complete, you know, the antithesis of what they run on. They don't believe in what they say and they care about the things uh, that aren't the issues uh, of the people. We don't have those issues with him. And so with everything that we have at stake as a country, I mean, with, with us being at just the breaking point on so many issues, we've got to get this one right. It's not a, you know, a Donald Trump deserves another term. It's a who is the best person for the job, who believes what they say, who's going to deliver on the things that we need to be delivered on, the border, on the economy. Only Ron DeSantis can say those things. You mentioned the border. I saw a number this year. There have been about 150,000 deportations this year. We took in over 300,000 illegal aliens, or I would call them invaders. Um, we took in over 300,000 of them in December alone. And there were about 150,000 deportations for the year. That is simply not a sustainable society, Brian. It's like the willful destruction uh, of What of else would it be? I, I understand this is a loaded term and I understand why. But if what is going on at the border is not in, intended to be a replacement, then what is it? What, what's going on? Yeah. If the goal there is not to create an alternative electorate, uh, then what, else, what would be the, what would, tell me what other reason it would, that would exist for why the, this administration is allowing this to continue. Well, it's just unacceptable that the, that the southern border has been a problem for so long. I mean, decades we've been talking about this, and we've had people who have said, I'm going to you know, run on this issue, I'm going to build the wall, I'm going to have Mexico pay for it. And what is Donald Trump saying now? Oh, I never really meant that. I never really had a mechanism for making that happen. No, you find the mechanism. You make it happen. You're the president just say, of the United why States. Why not just say to Mexico, we're going to offset your foreign aid every year until you, until we, you're, the wall is built. Or, we'll as, call it or as DeSantis has recommended, right. you tax remittances. Yeah. You can do it. You can get it done. This is America. We can do great things. We can build big things. We've got a, a history of doing that. The southern border wall can be done. So what are you seeing <clears throat> on the ground in Iowa? We're 12 days out. This is, this is, I think, the most peculiar caucus cycle, and I have, I've been a part of everyone since 1996 as a guy that was, you know, a grunt volunteer for Alan Keyes at the Iowa Straw Poll, and a, and, and a guy who went to Phil Graham's birthday party at the Straw Poll in 1995, to a guy that has been, you know, fortunate or cursed to wield at least some level of influence in this process years later. So I've kind of seen it all. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this cycle. <clears throat> I, I, I was telling a friend of mine uh, that you probably know on the phone the other day, um, I don't have a clue what a Nikki Haley yard sign looks like. If you, if you sent me a graphic, if you sent me a graphic that looked professional and said, hey, here's a, 
I'd be like, okay, cool. I mean, because I don't know what to compare it to. I, I don't have a clue. I, I, don't, I don't see anything on the ground that indicates some candidate has some like 99 point lead. Uh, it, it, but but I, I don't know what to think. So you tell me. So what, what what's I can tell you is what we hear from people. We go to events. Our events are always packed out. And people come up to us and they say, this guy's a real deal. He's talking about what I care about. Um, he's answering my questions. I, I know that he, he, he means what he says and he's going to take care of the things that, that matter to me. And I came in here and I was for X, Y, or Z candidate and now I'm for Ron DeSantis. That is consistent with all of our events. We're going to drive that uh, turnout and we're going to make sure that we get this Iowa caucus done. All throughout this process, much has been made about your organization. I've talked about it. I've said, hey, I had a hand in building the Cruz organization here in 2016. And I think the organization that the DeSantis campaign built is even better than what we had. But much of that was performed by your super PAC, which has gone through uh, a very well-known upheaval here in the last month. So I think that's a question a lot of people have for you guys is how intact is that organization despite the upheaval that has occurred in the super PAC? Super PAC is going to deliver. It's fine. I mean, of course, you know, there's all types of boardroom palace intrigue that the media wants to cover, and they want to make that into this race. But zero people, absolutely zero people at these events, at these town halls, are asking questions about the boardroom or the super PAC. They're asking questions about why is the southern border still an issue? Why is it so expensive for me to fill up my gas tank or buy groceries, and what are you going to do about it? So that's not going to be a problem. And it's like you said earlier, you know, your show theme is going to be Dominion. Dominion. So this campaign is laser focused on what we can control. We're going to make sure that everybody is coming out to vote, that we've got our precinct uh, uh, captains in place, which we do. We have 1,500 precinct captains, that we've got caucus speakers at every site that we can, and that we are uh, engaging as many Iowans as possible. That's what's going to win this. It's not going to be the media, the chattering class. None of these things are going to win the Iowa caucus all of the, the Iowa caucus is hard to poll. It's hard to predict because there's a lot of elements in terms of coming out to caucus. Mm -hmm. It's cold. It's late. You have to go socialize. All of these different things. That's what the polls don't capture. The media wants this to be over. They wanted us to drop out in July. We are in this um, uh, to, to see it to the end, and we will. What's the biggest challenge you guys have as a campaign here between now and caucus night in 12 days? Um, well, just keeping up the, uh, the I think, the, 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 the level of, you know, activity that we have. I've... It's been, um, it's been nonstop for us, and uh, we're, we're glad to be doing it. Um, the, the governor sets the work ethic here. Work ethic, ground game, and organization is what's going to win this, and we're going to keep that up. Todd and Aaron, we got about two minutes. Anything you guys want to discuss or add to this conversation? Uh, I, when you say he's answering, uh, addressing the issues uh, that we have, <laughs> but be, beyond that, more of a, a pathos, like is there... Is there a real sense of hope and optimism? Is it more of an 11th hour now or else? Is there a sense that there, the energy, I mean, we talk a lot about the excuses people find to not get out. You know, honestly, sure. I have to go social. I, we, you know, we may as well all turn off the lights no matter who's running for president if we can't get out on this night. So uh, give people a sense, because I'm being asked to come and do some speaking engagements here in the next couple of weeks. And this is what they, <laughs> like, they, they really want to get us, they need emotional help. There are people that are just broken by what's going on the last couple of years, understandably so. But we do you have a sense from these people that are coming out that it extends beyond them? The people showing up, because even most people voting for DeSantis aren't coming out to events. Yeah, sure, of course, because, you know, I think people can feel that there's, there, that there's something greater at stake here, right? It's the American dream. Um, it is the ability to, you know, give your all and be able to make it in this country. People are missing that. 
Uh, and people want to restore that. <clears throat> So they see in Ron DeSantis, you know, someone who's focused on that, someone who talks about, for example, the size and scope of government, how big it should be, where it should be in people's lives, where it shouldn't be. He's promising to restore that. He's restored it in Florida. He's paid down debt. He's kept freedom safe. I think that sense is here. There is urgency. There is so much at stake in this. You know, the Democrats have done so much to willfully harm this country. People can see it. Even Democrats are saying something is wrong with the Biden administration. Okay, if there's if these simple issues for years that have been a problem cannot be fixed, if my gas bill is relentlessly high, um, you know, there's something going on and this is our time to fix it. And that's why this is so critical. We, we, we can't you know, this election cannot be about anything else. It cannot be about Donald Trump's issues or Nikki Haley's donors issues. It has got to be about what people you know, need in their everyday life, about the American dream and about restoring this country. We are in a state of decline, but it can be reversed and Ron DeSantis will reverse it. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. When we come back, my top 10 predictions for 2024. Hide the women and children. Next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Lord Willen. Show one of 240 new episodes scheduled for you this year here in the year of our Lord 2024. Todd Erzin here with me as well as Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think. The SteveDace.com inbox is back and open for business. Email us, Steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab you can follow me at steve day show on twitter uh get her instagram and tiktok and if you listen via the podcast happy new year to all of you please remember give us a five-star review if you like the show uh, we're approaching 10,000 of those on iTunes. We'd love to break that uh, seal and hit that threshold this year. And thank you to all of you that have already submitted one. Maybe submit another if they'll let you. And, and then hit uh, subscribe or if you are on iTunes, follow. That way every time we do a new episode, it will show up in your feed every single time. Uh, this past December, drug shortages hit a record high. And this threatens here as we head into winter. Uh, severe disruptions in medical treatments. There can be delays, even treatment cancellations, the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. That's why we're glad our partners at Jace Medical, they're back on board here for another year. Um, because Jace is continually working to expand their medication offerings. Uh, they've even offered ivermectin as an option in the Jace case as well. Uh, plus, you can buy a gift card for your family or loved ones so they can get a Jace case of their own. Personalize it. This is what they're doing new. You can now customize it to your particular needs. So this helps you to be empowered to care for yourself and to know that you have the medical care that you need and, and the peace of mind to know that the medications you require won't be rationed because Jace Medical makes sure, makes sure that you have them with you already. Just go to jacemedical.com today. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, and use the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order at jacemedical.com, discount code DACE. All right, before we get to the top 10 predictions of the year, a couple of clarifications on the poll jar that have been addressed during the break and also my inbox that we need oh. to discuss. So, All right, we need to get some, some rulings here. Okay, number one, 
I, apparently, I did reference the Iowa straw poll. And you just did it again. But that doesn't count because I'm referencing a reference. Okay. I did reference the Iowa straw poll. So I owe 10 bucks to the swear jar. So that'll be our first contribution. I don't even remember you saying that. That'll, yeah, that'll be our first contribution of the year. Number two, I am going to exempt exit polling from this simply because if we're going to say on one hand, we're going to emphasize the results of the games, right? Well, that's kind of the box score of the game. Is that, is that, is that fair? Now, who, who knows how accurate even those well, box scores are going to be, okay? All right, but it's fair it is, for the first time, and then it, we will evaluate. That's fair, but the, but you know, we it, 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 if we're going to cover the game, we got to mention the the box score of the game. All right, and that's kind of the closest thing that we have in elections to a box score is exit polling. But we'll see how whether those even stand up to scrutiny as the year commences forth. So that doesn't count. Um, um, and then third, this is really cool. I just got this note from uh, Tom Blankenship. I would like to match what you collect in the poll jar for preborn. Uh, at the end of the year, I'll donate a minimum of $1,000 and up to a $5,000 wow. match. Uh, by the way, I'm a fanatic for Clemson like you are for the Michigan Wolverines. So that's from Tom Blankenship. And who knows, man, we might be in the same conference before this thing's all said and done, Tom. <laughs> Todd, your thoughts. Never mind. All right. Uh, you don't want to give show one to me on that topic. No, no. Because something tells me this offseason, you're going to have plenty of, uh, of opportunities between Monday's game and when they play again on Labor Day or Labor Day weekend. I think you're going to have plenty of opportunities to sound off on this topic. We got a lot year. of problems with you people. Yes, you do. All right. So two years ago, I might have had my all time most accurate top 10 prediction list. I think we hit seven out of 10 in 2022, somewhere around there. Maybe it was six and a half, because we do halves if you're close. Somewhere between six and seven. Mm -hmm. I know it was that. Okay. Last year was not good. Last year was not good. And admittedly, last year... Sorry, Margaret Rubio, water break. Admittedly, last year, I swung for the fences of zaniness. And the only one I got right was, frankly, for me, the most important one to get right, that the movie I produced made a profit. So that, thankfully, happened. Okay. So this year, I, I tried to... I tried to look as much at the spirit of the age and the signs of the times as much as I could, but also I tried to apply our theme this year of dominion, controlling what you can control. I tried to apply predictions into areas where I thought projection was more likely possible than in areas where it is not. Does that make sense? I think so. Like I have, you know, I have no control over the future, you know, except the, the personal decisions I make in my life to alter my own future and the future of those mm -hmm. that, that God has put, you know, around and in front of me, you know? So I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I have any ability to impact almost any of the events we're about to talk about. No, what I mean is I think that it's possible to try to project in these arenas, even though I'm not necessarily confident at the projections I'm doing themselves. If that's, is that, okay. is that fair? Yeah, I think so. All right. Aaron, is there anything at all that you think Todd as the stand in for the audience? So Todd and the audience maybe needs to brace themselves for, or anticipate as we go down, uh, the, uh, the yellow brick road here. Um, there are two. Yeah, there are two and maybe three. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. There are two or three that I think will cause a definite, uh-oh, um, 
and I'll just leave it at that. But there is, there's one towards the end where I know you probably didn't want to make this prediction, but mm-hmm. everybody can see the writing on the wall. And I'll tell you what I think that one is when we, when we get there. But there is one towards the end where it's like, yeah, can see that, can see that happening. And I hope it doesn't. For, for, the, for the love of peace and goodness, I, I hope it doesn't. But uh, there is one towards the end where it's uh, brace yourself, gird your loins territory. Okay. Let's, let's, we're gonna, the first two are going to be perennial categories that I do every single year. These are predictions I make. All right. So let's start with those two. All right. So in descending order, number 10, I am going to predict that Despicable Me 4 will be the highest grossing movie of the year at the box office. Now, I will tell you, though, man, even this was a hard prediction to make, given how turbulent Hollywood is at the moment. For example, you have you have Disney Pixar is coming out with a sequel to the 2015 smash Inside Out. Remember that movie? Mm-hmm. They're coming out with a sequel to it this year. Any previous decade guaranteed minimum $300 million domestic movie. Minimum. Like, that would be like its floor and maybe a billion dollars when it's all said and done, right? Given how tarnished the Disney and Pixar brand is right now, do we know what the floor is? I don't, I don't know what the floor is. Maybe it will still be um, a, a dynamite film. But, you know, given what they've been producing recently... Do you trust the the current Disney Pixar team not to just totally wokeify a movie about uh, human not. emotions? Yeah, of course we, not. We saw what they're doing with Star Wars. Yes, of course not. I mean, uh, we need a, a Star Wars with a woman at the fort. We literally just made that trilogy. I mean, that was just the last trilogy they just made. But anyway, okay. So when in doubt, Universal Studios, by the way, I think for the first time ever, outgrossed Disney in a year. I don't think that's ever happened before. It happened last year. So I'm going to go with the most successful franchise that Universal Studios has ever put together other than the Jurassic Park films. And I'm going to go with Despicable Me. And in the end, I gave the tie to a series of films that I adore. There were about three or four films I could see being it. But in the end, I decided the tie goes to something that I love that I know will land. Tell me know if I agree with this or not. And I know you're good at this, which is why I'm going to ask you, rattle off those three, four, five movies that you think could potentially be number one if it's not this. So so I would say the Inside Out sequel would would, would be in there for sure. Um, There is there's an interesting movie coming out with um, it's John Krasinski, uh, Ryan Reynolds. And uh, where a young girl turns out she can actually talk to your imaginary friends. To children's imaginary friends. Okay. And it's got an all-star voice cat. Remember, look who's talking when we were kids where the baby talked and Bruce Willis did the voice. I mean, I I could see this thing being kind of a a smash hit, but it's not a franchise that's ever been done before. So I don't know. There is another, speaking of John Krasinski, there's another Quiet Place movie coming out this year um but it's like a prequel it tells the story of what happens the days that the aliens arrived um uh, but but there are not a lot of tried and true dominant franchises coming out this year now there will not be a dc movie this year they're completely rebooting and they need to uh the dc uh, universe and with a new superman movie in 2025 it's a very light year for marvel this year as they're trying to figure out what they're going to do and now jonathan majors was convicted while you know in december so he was going to be their thanos and now who knows what they're going to do with that so they're, they're you know they ended up pushing back the mission impossible 
finale. It was supposed to be this year. They pushed it back to next year. Uh, the the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse final movie was supposed to be next year. Now we're not sure when it's going to come out. It still may come out next year. It may not till 2025. They're still, between COVID and the strike and just their own self-destructed tendencies, yeah. there's there's really, it's hard to gauge this, this time. No, based on these what you days. said, this seems as likely as not. I, I it, the wasn't it a top ten finisher this year? It wasn't it like the fifth highest movie grossing this year was Super Mario Brothers. Oh yeah, it mm-hmm. was in the top five for sure. See, this yeah. seems to fit that category. That uh, as long as you just give me innocent, uh, kind of nostalgic fun, you're as likely as not to finish in the top. So, for example, let's do this. Let let's look at the top ten grossing movies of 2023. And see if if sitting here a year ago, could we have predicted it would be in the top ten? All right, Barbie was number one by uh, by I, a long shot. I, I would have could have predicted that. Predicted Super that. Mario Brothers could have probably predicted top ten, maybe not number two. It ended up number two. It was two. Yeah, yeah. See, it was that, a huge thing. Yeah. That's his one. That, that it shock. I didn't see it. I don't know. It's not my demographic, but it shocks me that that's number two, and it speaks to how crappy Hollywood is. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse probably could have predicted that would be in the top ten fair yeah because of the okay. first one guardians of the galaxy volume three you could have definitely yeah. predicted in the top 10 yeah all right oppenheimer iffy because it's rated r even though it's nolan mm. maybe maybe not okay because of nolan at least i think it would have been get squeak into the top 10 yeah the little mermaid which finished sixth but that's a yeah. disappointment disney was expecting yeah much more out of that film you'd call it top okay 10. Um, but it's a disappointing top 10 it made less than 300 million dollars that movie five ten years ago would have made a half a billion minimum. Well, that's why they, they didn't even have to make them well anymore, and they know they're going to bank on some level. Correct. Then you have Avatar, The Way of Water. That actually was released in 2022. It lasted in theaters so long in 2023 that it still was a top 10 movie of the of this year. After all of the hype, it's like, to, yep. compared to the first one, it's like a yawn. You would have predicted that maybe Ant-Man and the, and the Wasp, Quantumania would have been yeah. top 10. But again, that's a disappointing. It barely made $200 yeah. million. That was a disappointing top 10. Yeah. John Wick Chapter 4, you probably wouldn't have predicted that. It's a niche franchise, rated R. Um, but it actually outdrew Taylor Swift's movie, for example, to make the, it outdrew Indiana Jones. It outdrew mm. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is a great movie and one of the best movies I saw last year, I thought. Uh, and then number 10 is Sound of Freedom, which I'm, I just have very mixed feelings about. Next Tuesday, I'll unveil my top 10 movies of the year, and I'm not sure what to do with that movie. I'm not sure. It's a great movie. I don't know what about Tim Ballard's true now. I don't know what about the story that the movie even yeah. tells is true. Uh, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with the film because I still think it's such an important topic, such a well-made movie. We'll talk about this next Tuesday. I, but I, I got to figure out whether I'm going to put it in my top 10 or not. It, uh, in terms of quality, it does. But, but now I kind of feel like maybe we, you know, we've been sold maybe a bill of goods here, house of cards here a little bit with that film. What a bizarre know. top 10. The t- for Indiana Jones and Mission Impossible. Hunger not Games. Not to get in. Hunger Games didn't make the top 10. Transformers didn't make the top 10. Creed didn't make the top 10. Fast there was a Transformers X, movie yes, last year. Yes, there was. Fast X didn't make the top 10. Mm. Okay. I mean, Wonka, well, it was released late in the year. And it, 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 Wonka is very good, by the way. That was one of the good movies I saw I over break. I don't know what to be like. I'm kind of encouraged that people are checking out of going to the movies because there's a lot of reasons to check out because of where the money goes. And but I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's the reason people aren't going to the movies. Are they going? Are they not going for entirely other? They're just lazy and they can't even be bothered to go any. I don't know. All right, number nine. 
This is a dude code call. I had to stick with this. Eagles Chiefs will collide once more in a rare Super Bowl uh, rematch. This was my preseason pick. So I think the dude code says I have to stick with this since they're both in the playoffs. Although the way that they are playing right now, I'm not confident that this pick is going to come true. By the way, the last time we had a Super Bowl rematch exactly 30 years ago, Bills Cowboys was the last time it happened. Any quick thoughts on that one? And we'll move on. Yeah, from your lips to confident. God's ears, but that's not going to ha- happen. Okay. Now to the good stuff or maybe the not so good stuff. Number eight. The left will find a way to put Trump on trial and convict him of something. Literally anything. I mean, literally anything. I mean, so at this point, I've kind of given up following the smorgasbord of, uh, of various trials and, and processes with, with the court proceedings against the former president. The only one really I care about right now is, is the January 6th one, which is still slated to kick off in D.C., right before Super Tuesday, pending Trump's appeal before the D.C. Circuit Court. And of course, they don't have a grand jury there or they have a star chamber there. It's a gulag there with the way that they have treated the story. But even if that case falls through, guys, and it may, who knows? I don't know. Jack Smith's and Letitia James are legion on the left. There's a whole there's a whole layer of wannabe Jack Smiths and Letitia James looking to get lifetime contracts on MSNBC by saying, I'll do it then. Okay. I I don't see them stopping this at any point in time at all. I, I don't. No matter what happens. Um I, I just think all that energy, they're going to contrive a way to say that Donald Trump is a convicted felon. That's my that's my prediction number eight. I I think that's a healthy uh, prediction. There is a boomerang effect built into this that their need to do this can end up being so preposterous and ridiculous that it is ultimately, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of Trump supporters think about this like broadly that it's going to be a net win no matter what for trump i think that's foolhardy but this level of desperation could end up looking that way this my my attorney in my own trial steve a man you know but in uh, our walk through when i uh, got arrested working for the register covering floods said like you know juries are just like they need psychological calmness like they need to find a balance and ultimately when i was uh, i had four charges against me the one they found me guilty one was the most benign, ridiculous one, interference with official acts. That basically means we we need to get you on something. It's, it, it's like the catch-all that they have in their arsenal. And so psychologically speaking, I think that that's immediately what this reminded me of. They are going to have to find a way. It could look end up look, making them look like the guilty ones, though. So they got to be careful in how they do that. Yeah, it, and at this point, though— Hold on, narrator. They're not going to be yeah. careful in how they do that. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. At this point, though, I mean, we're going to find this out soon enough. But what what good does more lawfare do other than just satiating the mob? At this point, there are no more political machinations, I don't think, when it comes to the lawfare coming from the left. This is all just bloodlust. And so I think, Todd, there is kind of an element of truth to what he's saying it, if the bloodlust gets so zany, I, I don't know. I, I still don't know. <laughs> Here I am schizophrenic because we're trying to analyze chaos, yeah. which is the left. Um, I, I don't know what what the ramifications of just convicting Trump for anything, literally anything. 
I don't know what the ramifications of that would actually be. So at this point, we're just, this is just a, uh, a feral, rabid coyote trying to chase the next carcass. I, it's, yeah. I just don't know uh, what the ramifications of this would be. And that's not your prediction. They're, your prediction is just that they'll get them yep. on anything. Yep. But, and just uh, th- let's say for the sake of argument that that anything is really absurd, utterly nonsensical. Everybody's laughing at it. And then you lay that uh, up against what we just found out yesterday, that a for another former president who's the same age roughly as Donald Trump just got found out to be an Epstein Island client, and that's the comparison you have? I got to tell you, this morning, the first, I decided for fun, the my idea fun, I, the first piece of political media I would read this year was a corporate media account of yesterday's release of the first Epstein files. And it was fun. I mean, it this strained to to link yeah. Trump and 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 Clint and Bubba together um, uh, that they both are mentioned as having personal connections. Um, like for example, there's a reference in there to uh, Epstein saying, "Hey, call Trump. We'll take him and the we'll take we'll take our girls and whoever's on the plane with us to one of his casinos and he'll host us or something like that." Um, and 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 they're both mentioned, but no wrongdoing is indicated of either one. They they are they were clearly trying to make a, a you know draw an equivalency between their two mentionings in those files yesterday for sure number seven for the first time 30 percent of americans in their 40s will have never married in 2023 this number climbed to just over 25 percent the highest in american history and i don't see any way that this trend slows down we have the lowest marriage and birth rates in american history in american history for a reason we made it okay for boys who can shave. They, they don't have to launch anymore and become men. Uh, that's why also for the first time ever, a stat I quoted a lot last year, a 25-year-old male is more likely to be living with a parent in their home than in his own home with a wife. That's also never happened before in American history until now. We also betrayed women by telling them they could just keep putting off marriage, f- pursue a career. You can quote unquote, have it all. Okay, Um, and now that they want a husband, they're unable to find a man worthy of them, uh, given the dearth of men overall. And so to me, this is death of the West stuff. I see no way that this trend slows down. And I thought maybe I was being conservative by saying it would only increase to 30 percent. It's important that you just say this thing out loud. This is, uh, you know, the out of wedlock birth weight. When we talk about existential uh, uh, problems of, of race a, a, and crime in cities, but no one can ever bring this up. This has to be brought up because it's the, the fact that we don't understand how fundamental this is to any civilization worth having. And we talk so little about it is almost the entire ballgame. Amen. One out of basically what you're saying, one out of every three people in their 40s, which should be your prime years, yep. never even sniffing marriage, what you're saying here. Yep. That, it's unbelievable, that, that civilizational suicide. When, just to put this in perspective, mm-hmm. when you and I were born, over 90% of Americans would, ha- would, would, oh. would, would have been married at least one time. It's nuts. Everybody knows there's this uh, gal on Twitter, uh, Amy What's-Her-Face. 
and I know she's a fan of the show, but she just said that I don't oh, want to that get... is her name. I thought you were trying to think of her name. No, Amy, no what's she her goes face by her Amy. Name. What's yes. her face? Yes. But it, it, the absurd, we won't go into it, but in summing up the absurdity uh, of back and forth and everything of calendar gate, she just nailed it in like one t- tweet. She says, you know what? We absolutely, and it speaks to this. We have to get so better, uh, so much better at uh, a, a modesty in this culture. We have just made a train wreck of our relationship. She says, she said, but, oh, by the way, you know one of the most important reasons why marriage was so uh, popular uh, uh, back in the day? and for all, Because look at your grandpa. He asked her to put a ring on it because he, and these are the words she used. This is a woman. She said she, he, want, he wanted to hit that. It was like, this is like timeless truths were deeply understood how you made things work mm-hmm. by harnessing and steering who we were fundamentally. Yeah, not not denying our instincts, desires, or urges, but by steering and guiding them, incentivizing them into yes. non-destructive and even constructive right. paths. So pick instead. that one man or pick that one woman, and then go have some fun. But now, if it speaks to what you said, Steve, you you destroy that. That's chaos that you talked about. That's utter chaos. Number six. You guys ready for this? Todd, probably, I can't wait to get your look on this one. Not. A public figure will come forward to claim he was abducted by extraterrestrials and or communicated with them. Uh, The UFO PSYOP, it just has not generated the heat the spirit of the age had hoped. Todd, we have seen headlines that when we were paranoid watching V as children would have stopped the earth from revolving, uh, from turning on its axis. All news coverage would have been a congressman says there's aliens. Nobody cares. All right, people just move on. This it, it elicits yawns and eye rolls. So, so does this. The ante must be upped. The ante must be upped. What would do it? Well, Americans love celebrity worship more than anything else. They worship celebrity more than anything else. So don't be surprised when that's the next card to be played. Who knows? Who knows, Aaron? Maybe next fall, it's Travis Kelsey, he, NFL star, he goes from, uh, his next heel turn goes from Pfizer sales rep to, he goes from trust Pfizer to, they come in peace. But I do think this is this is what it's going to take. Someone that has some form of celebrity cachet adds their name to the PSYOP for it to finally break through to the average American. Are you moving the goalposts on this one? I thought our policy was bodies or bust. We're getting there. Okay. Hey, I've communicated. I, I'm, I've, nope. com- I've, the, nope. I saw nope. the bodies. No, nope. I communicated nope. with the bodies. Nope. Do you have the body? Okay. I'm just, I want to call. I'm just making a prediction nope. that this is coming. Oh, I'm sure it's coming, but no. For people that don't know what Todd is referencing from, uh, I have put them through the ringer on this story and they have been patient. Uh, with me and I appreciate that. So moving forward, our, our official show position is we're not covering any more uh, whistleblowers or or stories on this topic ever again until we see the pilots of these vehicles and not just the vehicles themselves. Travis Kelsey is dating uh, tw- Taylor Swift version three from Zebulon five. <laughs> like Brainiac nine. Yes. What, what, when you saw this one, Aaron, what did you think? I couldn't wait for Todd's reaction. I, I kind of just shut down. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> just we're doing this again. Doing it again. I, I Guys. Didn't we take bets on how long it would take for Steve to do something like this, Todd? I think so. It was like less than three weeks. And here we are. I'm, it's, I'm not, we're not going to cover this. I'm just making a prediction that they're going to, they can't let it go. There's an angle here. There's money here. There's power and control here. There's defense contracts here. Okay. Trump gave us the Space Force. 
All right. So that's got to get subsidized. All right. And in order to justify yeah, so it, it needs a cause. Okay. So we're going to get grifted and manipulated on aliens, just like we are on, on everything, everything else. else. Yes. 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 Evergreen. That's all. That's the, when you okay. boil it down. That's really don't be don't <laughs> chill. That's <laughs> all I just predicted is this was just will be another shakedown and grift like everything else. Asked and answered. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, notice a, a couple of these predictions early on in both cases. It's me just saying now that this energy is all wound mm-hmm. up, you know, inertia, it has to go somewhere, right? It, they're not just going to, oh, and go home. All right. So now that we've got 91 felony indictments, why not do 291? How about how about 791? So how about 666? Why don't we do three? Let's do 2001, an indictment odyssey. Why, wait, wait, what, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like what Aaron was saying about that. At this point, it, it can't get ridiculous because it passed it a long time ago. I just ago. expected a little bit more on this. I mean, this movie's got to be like 30 years. Do you remember... They made a movie about a bunch of loggers who get like fi- no fire like fire in the sky, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you remember that movie? I saw the movie. This yeah. was like thirty years. That was ago. an abduction movie where yeah. a guy claimed he was abducted. Yeah. And it was it was a bunch of guys and they were kind of like yeah they, dudes, dudes 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 but yeah. they said yeah it happened so yeah. I mean we've been there. So now that now now they need to add the celebrity factor I, th- because they're clearly this is all being drummed up for a reason, and I think the reason is a giant grift. Correct. And so we need a we every grift needs a celebrity spokesman, doesn't it? It needs a yeah, celebrity okay. spokesman. I won't. It won't be shocking in the least. All right, we're we're halfway through the list. What has stood out to you so far? Uh, well, so far I was trying to pre- figure out what Aaron meant by "there's going to be some uh ohs." Does that mean I will just be appalled? Will I disagree? I that was been- one of them. That that was one of them. Well, yeah. I haven't been appalled or had grotesque levels of disagreement yet, so I'm a little disappointed. I can't wait when this does become uh, inevitably and obviously a grift. The extraterrestrial thing. That's when we actually get the real deal, and we realize that these grifters, these ET grifters, have been messing with and communicating about things that they don't truly understand. That's probably when we're actually going to get the real deal. When it becomes obvious that it's a grift, that's when the real deal is going to show up. Did you guys see, real quick, uh, longtime left-wing media personality Matthew Iglesias tweeted out earlier, now every conservative president of a major university is going to face retaliatory scrutiny for plagiarism? Talking about what happened to Claudia Gay at Harvard, which we'll discuss tomorrow on the day. Okay. I, I tweeted back to him. Well, that's going to suck for like three people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, like, that's that's there's the F- Nebraska senator who runs the University of Florida. And I don't even know who the other two I are. Know. OK, so who are we talking about? Right. Wow. <laughs> yes. All right. We'll come back. My top five predictions for 2024 will be here next. All right, let's close it out. My top five predictions of 2024, or four, I should say, 2024. Let's count down from 10 to six. Don't spoil number five yet, Aaron. Uh, 10 to six, Despicable Me 4 will be the highest grossing movie of the year at the box office. The Eagles and Chiefs will collide once more in a rare Super Bowl rematch. The left will find a way to convict Donald Trump of 
something, literally anything. Uh, For the first time, 30% of Americans in their 40s will have never married. And number six, a public figure will come forward to claim that he was abducted by extraterrestrials and or communicated with them. Top five. Ready to go? Let's do it. Number five, the regime will artificially inseminate the economy to quote the Avengers, whatever it takes. From miraculous interest rates drops to every incentive imaginable to get the housing market going again. I I saw something in my neighborhood that I haven't seen like all year long last week. A for sale sign used to be very, it's for sale signs used to, you used to not see them very often in my neighborhood because they didn't last long. Now you just don't see them at all. I think they'll get that going. I think that they, who knows? Maybe we just go ahead and cancel all of that student loan debt while we're at it. Whatever the spirit of the age thinks it needs to do to pump as much sunshine as possible into the economy to get its desired election result this year. And that way, hey, the check comes due in 2025, regardless of who wins. If you if you have a Republican president, you saddle them with a recession right out of the gate. And if you have a Democratic president, well, now, hey, the check comes due. Never let a good crisis go to waste. That's my number five prediction for the year. I generally disagree with this one, and, and then you, but then you brought up the form that this may take, like forgiving debt, just carte blanche, yep. and knowing conservatives are just such eunuchs, they'll they'll say something about it but won't do about it. I get if you if you view that as helping the economy, uh, but in terms of the traditional sense, I don't think so because I think they're counting they're terraforming this whole thing decay chaos is the point they they're trying to change this thing irrevocably and they they want to give something that's almost impossible to fix for a republican to come in i don't i just don't think they're going to try very hard in any traditional sense we thought of to make it look like they're trying to pivot on the economy aaron i still think that there are Again, we we are in new and you know continually uncharted territory, but I still think that there are going to be political realities that are going to make the temptation to artificially inseminate the economy just too much to pass up. So that I mean, that's as simple Plus, as dropping dropping in interest rates uh, precipitously. That's that's pretty simple way to uh, feign or at least fake uh, an economic comeback. Mm. So that's I don't know. To me. I think the temptation to artificially uh, prop up the economy is going to be too much to pass up. Number four, expect post-election violence no matter who wins. There are simply, so let's talk why there's not a lot of election predictions here. There are simply too many variables for me to sit here today and even predict who the nominees will be, uh, let alone what the results of the next election uh, will be. Um I guess I'm going to owe another 10 bucks. Polls uh, tell us, for example, that it's a fait accompli that we're going to have a a Trump-Biden race. Yet those exact same surveys tell us that 75% of Americans don't want that race. Can you make sense of that? There's no way out of a, there. There's no way to avoid something that that a super, a super duper majority of people say they don't want. I, 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 I don't know how to make sense of that, man. I, I don't have, I don't I don't have a clue. I, OK, I make sense of it because to them, they they don't think like citizens anymore. They think as passive viewers of a show that that's what's amazing. This is still 
America, Fair. is it okay. not? Can you not show up and vote? Okay. I, but I, I agree with your frustration. Yeah, that, 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 it doesn't that, make sense. That's one of the reasons why we have the jar. I, yeah. I, you, can't, you can't tell me in one survey that, that Donald Trump leads the primary by 50 points and then CBS YouGov turns around and says in the same week, a super majority of Americans are fine with taking him off the ballot of a contested state without any due process. That doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't make any sense that there's no way to avoid something everyone says they don't want. I, okay. I mean, what sense? Further, furthermore, we've got we're, we're talking here about two would-be octogenarians. One of them with no self-discipline and ninety-one and counting indictments, and the other one whose IQ right now is ninety-one. If if your grandfather was Joe Biden, would you be making seven-month plans? What you were going to do no. with Joe Biden seven months from now? No, hell no, you wouldn't. But no, you'd you'd be taking this like week by week, month to month, let alone sitting here right now on January 4th and telling you with certainty what I think things will look like. What is it? November 4th, November 5th is election day. So I, I don't even know how to make sense of that when we're talking about two people that are supposedly driving this narrative are approaching the average American life expectancy. So here's what I can make sense of. Prior or after the 2016 election, we had violence. Prior to the 2020 election, we had violence. So I think there will be violence in this election, regardless of who wins. That's that's the one thing I can make sense of. Pre, during, post. I mean, hecking. We just saw the California legislature just kicked off a couple days ago, and it was uh, they couldn't even get it started. They were supposed to get because it had a bunch of uh, Palestinian uh, protesters in it. Yeah, this is. you know, this is the thing. People would say like, uh, Steve, knee jerks, you know, just to have no excuse to be able to take on his actual arguments. But Steve has been as there's a shooting in Iowa today. Steve has always been careful. It doesn't matter where it happens across the country. People want to instantly make it political. Steve has always been very careful about. No, we need to let this air out. We need to find out. We don't we do not want to be a part of being salacious about this. I bring that all up because it. This isn't for rhetorical flourish, being salacious about it. Uh, Steve, you're just being sober-minded by bringing this up. Oh, this this is, this is, uh, there's not much joy in Mudville in my tone of voice. And frankly, I think this is maybe the easiest prediction to nail in this entire list. That's my point. uh, Because of what we are becoming as, as a people. Yes. Aaron, any thoughts? I, I just, I, you just pointed it out. I mean, the last two elections we've had, we've had violence. I mean, that picture is from the aftermath. That's from 2017, I think, during the inauguration of mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So I, this one is not really out there. I don't like it, but it's not really yeah. out there. Number three, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. 2024 beats Perot 1992. In 1992, the little grenade with a bad haircut may have won the presidency as an independent candidate if he truly wanted it. For those of you that are in Aaron's generation or younger, here's a little history. The late Ross Perot, the billionaire, who uh, actually was able to, uh, who tried to get some hostages out of Iran uh, when the Carter administration could not. He launched largely with Larry King Live, which was the number one talk show on cable news at the time. And uh, he would buy large blocks of time on network television for like 30 minute infomercials. With those two things, he launched an independent candidacy for the presidency. And by the by the summer, he was the favorite in the race. 
And then out of nowhere, he just announced in July of that year, he was dropping out because the George H.W. Bush campaign had disrupted his daughter's wedding or some crazy uh, theory. Here's my theory. I think he didn't want to be president and was afraid he was going to actually win. Okay. And then in a month before the election, out of nowhere, he re-entered the race out of nowhere. And remember, he had chosen a war hero, Admiral James Stockdale, for his running mate. And they had that vice presidential debate, and he opened it up with, who am I? Why am I here? You remember this, Todd? Yeah. And despite all of that, despite that level of disorganization, despite the fact he left the race when he was a favorite, went away for like three months, and then came back a month before the election and re-entered the race, he still received 19% of the popular vote. That is the modern day record for a third party or non-major party candidate running for president since we became a two-party system post-reconstruction. If you look since 1992, guys, has frustration with the Republican-Democrat duopoly diminished since then or has it risen? What do you think? Well, on a surface level, it's definitely risen. I mean, we have had, I haven't done this in a long time. Remember how I used to do this, do this off the top of my head? The election results in America since 2000, in the 21st century, mm-hmm. how they just are swinging yeah. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And and it's I think it's because you have people who are frustrated that are just reacting to whatever that message of that cycle is that they think will appeal to them, and then they get disappointed again and they swing the other way, all right? In this case now, enter into this matrix, we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who has a legendary namesake politically, the name Kennedy is still gold for a lot of Americans, number one. So he has that going for him. But I think he also has the ability to, to accumulate a very unique coalition. And on one hand, if you are a, a millennial progressive and you're disappointed at that, that the Democrats still would still favor corporations over uh, single moms and, uh, um, you know, don't do enough to, to, you know, to stand for the environment or to do something about predatory lending from universities and student loan debt. I could see him coming, being right up your alley. Yep. On the other hand, if you're one of those conservatives who is like, there must be a reckoning on COVID, um, he's also going to be up your alley. And I think he, I, I think he can create a very unique coalition along with his namesake. And I think, and that's why I believe, I think he'll draw from both the dissident right and the dissident left. And it's, and I, and we're going to cover him more this year. We didn't cover him a lot last year because he decided in the end to run as an independent and we were in the middle of a primary now. But I, I, I believe that uh, he's going to surpass Ross Perot's 19% regardless of who the two major parties yeah, that's nominees are. the most are. interesting, the regardless part. I'm surprised that you're willing to, you have that level of confidence on it. But it is fascinating. I find it interesting that I'm the guy on the more skeptical side of this because of what I believe about vaccination in particular, but it's because of what I believe about, I hope you're right from that perspective. But like, I'm like Bane, I was born in the darkness. There, we just know, there's more people that realize that this thing is poison than other, but they... Still not as many as we think. I think most people are just like, thank God the vaccine came. We were all saved right and left. They believe that. And that's why I have a hard time believing he could get over this hump. But 
I think your 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 instincts are fascinating considering you're not even putting an asterisk on it about yep. who he's running against. I, what I can't tell you is who he'll draw more from. I think it, that does come down to who's, who the nominees are, okay? Correct. But, it, but as, in general, I think he's hitting 20%. I do. I think he'll break that record. Just Aaron. paint the profile of a millennial who, who would be typically left or a millennial who might be on the right side of things who would enthusiastically vote for Joe Biden or... Yeah. Donald Trump, should he win the nomination? Paint that profile. They go into the voting vote. Oh, I'm fired up to uh, vote for Joe Biden. Oh, I'm fired up to vote for uh, Donald Trump. That, that person really doesn't Correct. exist. Correct. And so if there's a third option there, and I'm somewhat aware of Robert Kennedy, and I saw him on social media one time, shirtless doing you know backflips off of a cliff. Yeah, sure. What, why not? Look Don't mock her. that. Bill Clinton basically won that one of the ways Bill Clinton won the presidency was playing the saxophone on Arsenio yeah. Hall. Yeah. Sure. That, this is not new. You know, I saw a graphic over the weekend. Boomers uh, yelling at millennials and Gen Zers for being too preoccupied with technology. Also boomers. And it's just a parade of old people pushing buttons at the casino on the digital slot machines. The idea that this is something new to unique to one generation or not. It's not. OK. Number two. The invasion at the southern border leads to a black swan event. This was the one I was talking about at the very top of the, the at the very top of the hour. A black swan event has severe and paradigm shifting consequences, which in hindsight, everyone thinks afterwards they should have seen it coming despite claims to the contrary. You simply cannot allow as massive of an influx of strangers to pour over your borders that you have not vetted ideologically, uh, criminally, just the idea. I mean, the, 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 that it, it just takes a couple bad apples in a batch of this magnitude, oh, yeah. as we learned on 9-11, to orchestrate this kind of a black swan event. And when the laws of sowing and reaping are tragically proven to be undefeated in human existence once more when this happens, uh, the same people ignoring it now and claiming it's not an issue will then come forward to tell us, well, that we should have seen this coming all along and done something about it. Yeah, of course. When you were... Uh uh, talking uh, to Brian Griffin, you said you asked him, "What's the uh, uh, why is this happening if not for replacement?" Well, mm -hmm. the other opportunity reason would be because it's mostly uh, fighting age men. It would be uh, invasion, mm -hmm. and yeah, which is another I, form of yeah replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready for number one? Okay, number one: idolatry is the leading cultural trend. And it goes both viral and systemic. Now, I don't know if we're a nation under Roman one's judgment or if God is preparing us for revival. I don't know that. Uh, what I do know is that when a culture turns its collective backs on the first commandment, which is only God is God, it will then do the same to the second commandment, which is don't make your own gods, otherwise known as idols or idolatry. One of the clearest signs of this, I believe you're going to see, will be the continued rise of the godless right to take on the godless left. That means even in an election year, when the differences between the two sides have rarely been as stark as they are right now, Christians are going to find themselves out of place throughout this year with movements and manifestations of, quote, their own team. And that's inevitable. That, that, that you're going to see idolatry everywhere. Absolutely. Everywhere. In fact, this is now when we will announce we are retiring fake news or not as a segment. It will now be um, reconfigured to idolatry or not. This, I believe, will be the number one cultural trend in our continuing devolving society 
by the time we get to show 240 at the end of the year. You're absolutely right. And right out of the gate, as if on cue to confirm it, what you have going on at Harvard and finally getting rid of uh, Claudia Gay. But the the very next day, uh, the an actual leftist New York Times headline is it was Republicans pounce. You know, they uh, Republicans weaponize plagiarism. Yeah, that was the Associated Press. We, yeah. Plagiarism issues of most importance, journalism, academia. And they promise you it doesn't, they don't care anymore. If they're saying that, it means Steve is exactly right. Put it in the bank. Yeah, I, this is, this is what, this, this prediction is why I said at the top of the show, I didn't think it was super zany because this is the world in which we're living in right now. This, this one is all, mm-hmm. this one is, it's what, today is the fifth, fourth? Fourth. This is already true. You can already yeah. put this one in the bank, Steve. It's one for 10. So this is just what has been concerning me. What's been troubling my soul is seeing so many people wearing our jerseys who just have itching ears spiritually, just itching ears. Just tell me what I want to hear. Just affirm the, the ways I want to be affirmed. Yep. And this is, this and is, this where- is never you, your conservative conservative idolatry is never going to beat demons. It's just not. Right-wing idolatry is never going to beat demons. It never was. This is where Steve is just an old-school prophet. He's not really predict. He's not going out there on a limb. He's just saying, "Uh, I know the math. And that's one plus one equals two. Yeah, I'm a meteorologist, man. I'm just giving you a forecast based on the conditions on the ground or in the atmosphere. We're going to stick around and do overtime. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, Romans 828. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.